Welcome to the Brownstein Hyatt Farber Shrek podcast series. We're at a critical and exciting juncture where multiple industries and interests are converging to rise to the challenges of ensuring a resilient and accessible water future. Brownstein and Westwater Research have teamed up to co-host the Sustainable Water Investment Summit on March 9th and 10th at the Terriana Resort in Rancho Palos Verdes, California, to provide a forum for candid and insightful conversations on investing in a sustainable water future. This summit brings together leaders throughout the water sector to connect and discuss a wide range of topics around investing in our most vital natural resource. Tune in as Brownstein's Rebecca Tucker moderates a conversation with shareholder Brad Harrima and Westwater Research CEO and founder Clay Landry about key issues in sustainable water investing and what key issues will be covered at the Sustainable Water Investment Summit next month. My name is Becca Tucker, and today I'm here with Brad and Clay. And next month, Westwater and Brownstein will be hosting a Sustainable Water Investment Summit in L.A. at the Terranea Resort. Um, And to kick us off, I'd love to hear Clay and Brad introduce yourselves and let us know a little-known or interesting fun fact about you. Clay, do you want to kick us off first? Sure, Becca. Thanks for the the warm-up and introduction. I'm Clay Landry. I'm the managing director of Westwater Research. Uh, we're a uh, co-sponsor and, and producer of the event, the Sustainable Water Investment Summit. And our firm really uh, became interested in this, this idea of looking at in, sustainable water investment, mainly through the last 25 years of our consulting practice, where we've been working with a number of uh, public and private organizations that are looking at how do they create sustainable water supplies to meet growing demands, primarily for a lot of water uses out west. And in, in the course of that last 25 years of our consulting practice, we've worked a lot with a number of different capital providers who are interested in also trying to look at ways that they can bring um, um, private capital into the water resource development sector. And, and that's really been a challenge. Um, but I think we're starting to see some shift in that market today. Um, that's certainly been one of the things that I've noticed over the course of my career is that there's a lot of interest, has been a lot of interest in Wall Street in water for uh, many years, but um, really a limited uh, opportunity set for figuring out uh, effective and good ways to invest in water. That's changing to a point where we're starting to see a a new dynamic where public agencies are recognizing that uh, capital markets can be a good source and private partners can be a, a good partner in developing sustainable water supplies for the future. That's great, um, but I'm not going to let you get away without answering a little-known fact about you. A uh, little-known fact about me. My first job out of graduate school was in a corn dog factory. I worked the line. I love corn dogs. <laughs> uh, okay, great. Thanks, Clay. And um, Brad, can you tell us a little about yourself and what brought you here? Thanks, Becca. Uh, I'm Brad Harrima. I am a shareholder with Brownstein, Hyatt, Farber, and Shrek in our Los Angeles office. I've been working in the firm's uh, Natural Resources Water Group for 20 years, and I'm currently the co-chair of Brownstein's Natural Resources Group. Uh, Our firm 
particularly our water group uh, is, I think, the largest by size in the nation. And we uh, we work with clients in uh, all different sectors who, who need water supply. I would say our practice is, is primarily focused on water supply. Anyone who has water supply that they need to protect or needs water supply for what they're they're looking to do. It runs the gamut from uh, real estate transactions to um, mining clients, agricultural operations, municipal water supply, and even hospitality clients like golf courses or or ski resorts. And uh, one little known fact about me is that uh, in college, I was a biology and Spanish major, which is not a, uh, a very traditional major for someone who ends up in law school. But uh, I think it served me well over the last, uh, last 20 years of this practice. Great. And before we get into the weeds of this event, um, I just wanted to help set some of the context about you know, why we're so excited about this event and um, what it means. So obviously, in the sustainable water investment world, there's a lot going on and there's even more need. Um, For example, the OECD's 2022 report on financing a water secure future, which found that global economic losses related to water insecurity are estimated at 260 billion, that's US dollars annually, from inadequate water supply and sanitation, 120 billion in losses annually from urban property flood damages, and 94 billion annually in terms of water insecurity losses for irrigators. Globally, there's an estimated 1 trillion needed to achieve Sustainable Development Goal 6, that's related to clean water and sanitation. And the delta between global water supply and demand is projected to reach 40% by 2030 at the current trends. The UN estimates that currently 3.5 billion people experience water scarcity right now. And by 2050, that number will rise to between 4.8 and 5.7 billion people. Over the past century, water use has expanded at more than twice the rate of population growth. However, there is some good news. In the U.S., the bipartisan infrastructure law of 2021 included more than $50 billion to improve the nation's drinking water infrastructure. That's the single largest investment in water that the federal government has ever made. And as of last year, there are 53 water funds worldwide with a combined assets of $36 billion. And in 2021, six new water funds were launched. So getting back to Brad and Clay, I wanted to kind of hear more about your interest in this space. Um, what what keeps you here? It's a tough field. And then also, what's the biggest lesson that you've experienced in your career thus far? Brad, do you want to kick us off first? Sure. I'm based in Los Angeles and uh, came out from Michigan to, uh, to start working uh, with the firm in the water uh, supply space. And I sort of fell into it. As I said earlier, I was a biology and Spanish major in college. I wasn't really looking at getting into the water space in law school, but uh, happened to uh, to make a connection and fell into it. And for me, coming from Michigan out to the West, it's just uh, such a different paradigm uh, how uh, water um, the the part that water plays in uh, in life. I think in the, in the Midwest as opposed to um, in Southern California and, and the greater West. And, and as I've been able to travel more, I, I see the different ways that water is featured in people's lives in the different areas uh, that they live in. And, and 
it's also been uh, really remarkable to me to see uh, the number of different things that uh, that we do and and the different clients and projects that we work on or work with in in the water space from uh, agricultural operations to uh, a lithium mine to uh, municipal water supplies it's it's always something different every day and that keeps it really interesting the lessons i've learned i think uh, are our patience and that uh, the water supply projects that we work on these are our long-term projects and and one of the greatest qualities uh, that you can have to to make sure they keep moving is uh, is diligence i think great thanks brad and Clay, um, same questions for you. What what keeps you interested in this space, and what's one of the biggest lessons that you've learned so far? Well, un- unlike Brad, I, I was uh, on a mission when I, uh, in terms of focus, when I started um, came out of graduate school, I was working in, a, in an area of looking at how do you util- utilize uh, market based principles for reallocating water supplies for in-stream flow protection for fishery benefit, primarily in the Pacific Northwest and Northern California, looking at how do you uh, structure uh, transactions and arrangements and market-based agreements to pay water right holders to leave water in-stream. And that's been a, you know, an area of interest of mine for early on. And and it's sort of a commitment that uh, we as a firm have made to continue supporting that kind of work. But in the course of my career, I've seen that sort of market concept and that looking at sort of willing buyer, willing seller, reallocation of water uh, expand all across the West. When I started thinking about these things in terms of the context of how do you get more water for fish benefits uh, through leases and purchases, it was a novel idea. And there was some trading uh, of water and reallocation of water going on, but not to the order and magnitude that it is today. And um, we're finding, as Brad said, you know, the water touches on so many different parts of our lives and our economy. And for the most part in the Western U.S., we're not making any new supplies. I think we're uh, in an era of um, making better use of the supplies that we have and then also looking at how do we reallocate those existing supplies so that we're meeting, uh, you know, the the ever changing demands of our society, and whether it's for new sort of renewable energy projects that are starting to pop up, or supporting an expansion of uh, residential development, or trying to firm up existing uh, water uses. That that er- that concept of of seeing how we're going to reallocate water supplies is is really at the, I think, early stages of um, that market development. And we're going to see all sorts of uh, interesting things develop, whether it's more, you know, again, the thesis of this event is looking at how do you bring capital markets into helping with the uh, development of sustainable supplies. So I think we're going to see more of that activity. I think we're also going to see a lot more creativity in terms of the the types of arrangements that people who have water supplies, the kind of traditional historical uses, and how they interact with uh, the marketplace and, and the need for reallocation. I, I just think the, the next 20 years are going to be very interesting, and we're just at the beginning uh, of that. Water's still pretty small when, it's, uh, when we start looking at it from an investment 
uh, asset class. Um, so I think that's going to change. It clearly needs to change. I don't think we can continue to rely on the sort of episodic and periodic investments from the federal or state governments. I think that we have these wonderful things called private capital markets that uh, are a good source for a lot of other essential services that um, a good source of funding for a lot of essential services that we uh, rely on, like uh, energy, power, food, um, and I think water uh, services and water supply is is a you know is is something that we'll start to see more money moving into and and doing it in a meaningful way, not just uh, I think there's a lot of caution and concern about how you know Wall Street starts to participate in water. And I think that's one of the objectives of this conference is to really focus uh, our conversation about how can um, how can we bring in um, investors who want to be good partners in water supply development. Great, thanks, Clay. And expanding on that a little bit more, can you talk about you know the target audience for this event? Who who should be there, and where do you see this event going in the future? Well, I think the target market really is anyone who has uh, exposure or interest in water supplies and feels that water supply risk uh, may increase in the in the near term or in, or even in the long term. Uh, I think it would be a good opportunity for those folks to show up. Um, you know, again, we've attempted to structure a panel and uh, a curriculum for the conference that really touches on the types of end users that are starting to think about water supply risk. And, and I think that's one part of the audience that should show up. So we have some speakers from the mining industry. We have some speakers from that are making investments and thinking about water supply from an agricultural production standpoint. Um, we have some municipalities and public water agencies that are participating in that, which is, uh, you know, water supply is really becoming a, a significant uh, focus for them in terms of how do they meet future water demands um, with an ever-increasing uh, variability in, in traditional water supplies, the supplies that they've developed. We also have uh, 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 several speakers that are um, trying to look at uh, different ways, um, sort of more technology-based approaches to, uh, to desalination and recycled water. So how can they bring uh, water supply reliability uh, through some technological innovation? Um, and then in addition to that, the other sort of part of the community that we are um, expecting at the conferences is from the financial community. So we have a number of speakers that are from some private equity uh, funds that are starting to look at water and sustainability themed investments. Um, we also have uh, some speakers from municipal bond markets and our, uh, where they're starting to look at how are our bond risks being uh, factored into um, the pricing of those, those debt instruments and how that may relate to water supply risk. Are we uh, capturing the supply risk that many municipalities may be facing around the water bonds that they're issuing. So uh, we'll have a, a good representation, I think, from the financial community as well. 
Great, thanks. And and Brad, on your end, what are the topics that you're most interested in discussing at the conference and how, if so, do they interface with some of the top issues that your clients are facing? I'm really looking forward to hearing from uh, Antonio Viragosa, who's the former uh, mayor of LA. He's now the infrastructure advisor for the state of California, largest state in the country, population-wise. And uh, I'll be interested to hear from him what California's plan is in terms of infrastructure. As uh, Clay mentioned, we've got um, changing precipitation patterns and the, the infrastructure that we used to rely on uh, for water supply, uh, for you know, municipal, agricultural, uh, all of our different water supply needs in California is not built uh, for the, the changing precipitation patterns that we have now. If um, you've been paying attention over the last few weeks here in California with the atmospheric river uh, that came through in January, we had more water than we knew what to do with and, and uh, not the infrastructure to put it in a place that uh, we can use it later. So I'll be interested to hear what Antonio Viragosa has to say about that. I'm also interested uh, to hear from our panel on private-public uh, partnerships. We've got representatives from the two largest water wholesalers in Southern California, including Metropolitan Water District that services uh, 19 million people. And as uh, Clay was saying earlier, um, it'll be helpful to hear from them, uh, for the folks uh, from the capital markets to understand um, what it is that they're looking for in terms of potentially partnering with uh, private equity uh, to bring some of that funding to bear for the challenges that they have. Great, thanks. And question for both of you. I'll start again with Brad. What do you think is the biggest obstacle to actually achieving water sustainability and how much worse are things actually going to get before they get better? I think one of the most difficult uh, obstacles to uh, achieving water sustainability is the molecules of water are, are basically fungible. Uh, but the ability to get water where, where you need it is the really difficult part. And um, whether that's physically moving it or whether there's a structure, a market structure to move water from uh, folks who have it to, uh, to those who need it. Uh, that's been been a real challenge, and and I think um, the folks who are going to be at our conference or who we'd like to have there uh, are are people who are creatively thinking about ways to 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 move water, whether it's physically or whether it's uh, it's moving it from uh, user to user, and and how capital can help make that happen. I, I do think things will probably get a little bit worse in the near term. Um, you know, Mother Nature is uh, unpredictable, and and just uh, the drought cycle we're in, it's it's going to be hard uh, to come out of that quickly. But uh, I think creativity um, and and having especially having access to uh, to capital, uh, whether it's the federal funding that that you've mentioned earlier, Becca, or particularly uh, private capital markets, that's going to help uh, help us get to where we need to go in terms of uh, stretching the the supplies we have. Great. Thanks, Brad. And and over to you, Clay. What do you think? Well, uh, in terms of the biggest obstacle, I think it's um, it's really us, our, you know, we people that are responsible water managers. Um, we have a lot of entrenched organizations and institutions, and I think it's overcoming those institutions um, in, in terms of 
you know, the way that we are, have been managing water for so long and, and recognizing that we really need to rethink that. And, and that can be scary for a lot of people. And I think it really requires conversations like the one that we're trying to uh, encourage at the summit that's coming up in March. As Brad mentioned, it's, it's that creativity and finding some space and a, um, in an environment where people can share ideas and not have the concern of those ideas being attacked or criticized and, um, and looking at ways that we can work within those institutions that exist today that have gotten us to where we are over so many years of water management. But I think it's really important for us to recognize that in order to be successful uh, in terms of achieving sustainable water supplies that we're going to have to rethink the way that some of those institutions operate. And that's going to take a lot of conversation so that um, I think there are going to be incremental changes for a while. And then I think, as Brad said, I think we're going to see things in the near term uh, get a little more challenging, uh, both from a physical water supply, but also just in terms of the... Um, ferocity of those conversations that need to occur and that are occurring right now in terms of how we rethink water management across the western U.S. Great, thanks. And I think we're coming up on the end of the time here, but is there anything else either of you want to highlight about the conference, the format, the location? And then um, I'm going to make one of you say the full conference name for people. Well, I'll take a shot at highlighting uh, some special things about the conference. I think one of the things that uh, should be mentioned is just the spectacular venue that we're having this uh, event at. The Terranea is a, a phenomenal resort perched right on the, the bluffs of the Pacific Ocean. And it's not a bad place to spend two days with uh, some very bright and in innovative and motivated people to talk about how do we work together in achieving sustainable water supplies. So if, if no, for no other reason, uh, hopefully Southern Sunny California will uh, produce its uh, reputational sun for a couple of days during the event and we'll have a great outdoor venue to um, have some very stimulating conversations. So I think the venue itself is worth coming. Great, and how about you, Brad? I think the way that we have set up the agenda it really lends itself to to getting into digging into some of these issues and uh, and learning about what people are doing in these spaces um, and providing an opportunity to hear ideas about how to address some of these challenges. But we've also left enough space in the agenda for people to get together and have a little more informal um, time to interface and, and to talk about uh, what they're working on and their ideas. And uh, I'm really looking forward to that. And so we're hoping uh, to, to have as many of you join us as, as you can. Uh, and again, Becca, the website is sustainablewaterinvestment.com. Thanks so much and look forward to seeing you there. All right. Thanks, Becca. Thank you, Becca. Thank you for listening to the Brownstein High at Farber Shrek podcast series. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. Visit bhfs.com for more information.